0: Thanks Ollie and team, this morning if you can uh, turn either your paper versions or your electronic versions or watch the screen we're going to jump straight into the scripture this morning and um, we're going to read that but I want to say welcome, my name's Craig Spaulding and uh, I'm glad you're here, I'm glad to be here and uh, especially if you're a guest maybe the first time, maybe been here a couple of times and if you're participating online welcome to you too. So we're going to start by reading from Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And in my Bible, the NIV, it's entitled, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, about a year and a half's work, and the other 50, about a month and a half. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them would love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she has loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Well, I don't know, are there any foodies amongst us? Hand up if you like food. Or hands up if you think you're a bit of a foodie. Okay, One of the latest things that's been going on oh, probably a couple of years now, but it sort of seems to be building speed, is, is the whole thing of deconstruction, deconstructing food. And uh, I haven't had too many, de- I, I, I do deconstruct food, but it's usually sort of, you know, one way little ticket there. But, um, but I thought, you know, it is an interesting thing that's happening and uh, up on the screen there we've got a, a deconstructed meal, thanks Josh, uh, should be there somewhere. And I'm oh yeah, well that's pretty deconstructed there. So I wonder if you can tell me what is that deconstructed? A deconstructed hamburger. I thought the idea was to make it easy, not harder. Okay, what do we got next? Oh well let's see if we were right first. I think if we hit the next slide, we'll find out if we were right. Oh yeah, we were. Hell gee, that was pretty hard, wasn't it? Okay, what's the next one, Josh? Oh, what do we got there? A deconstructed. A deconstructed hot dog, oh. okay we're, we're going pretty well, okay what's next? Uh, a little bit more difficult, I don't know how good the picture is back there, what is this? Deconstructed nachos, I thought the idea was it was just a big blob of mess and you just got in there, but anyway that is deconstructed nachos, ah we're going for the sweet tooths, what do we got here? Deconstructed. Deconstructed apple crumble. Actually, that doesn't look too bad, does it? Getting hungry. So this week, this one hit social media. Let's have this one up and see if you can tell me what that is. Does anyone know specifically what it is? You're not going to believe this. This is a deconstructed Bunnings Sanger. Yes, someone, somewhere, in Australia had the audacity to give men and women, because I've seen a few sneaking by the old, Sanger stall at Bunnings, had the audacity to hand real people that going into Bunnings. Can you believe it? What is the world coming to? Well, today, I'm going to deconstruct that Bible passage for us. And it might get a little messy, but hopefully in the end, it ends with a good feeling. So here we have Jesus going into the house of a Pharisee. We're in a series called Encounters with Jesus. This one is called Encountering Jesus, the encounter with a sinful woman. Last week, I love Ben's talk to us last week, never too late. Never too late. Always take that opportunity. And it stuck with me, Ben. So you did well because I usually can't remember my sermon come Monday. So you did really, really well. But let's have a look, firstly, at the Pharisees' encounter with Jesus. The first thing that we notice when we read through this is that he hadn't totally rejected Jesus. Um, Through the scriptures, through the, the New Testament and the Gospels, we find that Jesus and the Pharisees didn't see eye to eye. Uh, that they had many thoughts about him and there was a lot of rejection of them on their part uh, of him on their part, and there was a lot of teaching and reteaching to them on his part. But we find as we read, this guy hasn't totally rejected Jesus because he's invited him for a meal. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, that, that must have been very different. And I I don't know how he went with some of his friends. What we do know is that he acknowledged Jesus as a teacher. When Jesus said to him, Simon, I've got something to tell you, he said, yes, teacher. Tell me, teacher. So we know that whilst we're not quite sure where he was at, he certainly did see Jesus as a teacher. But we also know that he didn't acknowledge Jesus as a prophet and definitely not the Son of God. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw saw what was happening with the woman, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So he has formed a judgment that Jesus is a teacher, but he certainly isn't a prophet. I'm not too sure why, but he also didn't hold to many of the social norms of that day. And he didn't treat Jesus as he probably would have treated one of his special friends or someone else coming into his house. And I don't know why, and I can't say I know why by just reading the text, but I'm sort of thinking, is it because he was hedging his bets? If I offered Jesus too much honour... What will my friends say? What will my fellow Pharisees say? But there's something about Jesus and I sort of want an opportunity so I'll have him for a meal but I'll play it really low key. So he didn't offer Jesus any special treatment, any of the social norms. says he didn't welcome him with a kiss, he didn't provide water to wash his feet, he didn't put oil on his head. All things that would have normally happened. So it's sort, of a, it's, it's sort of a bit of a deconstructed invitation in a way, isn't it? It's sort of like, you know, it's an invitation, but it's not an invitation to get too close. Unless maybe you can prove yourself. And certainly we can see as we read the, the, the reading that he was standing in judgment of the woman. He hadn't rejected Jesus. He knew he was a teacher. He didn't think he was a prophet. He didn't go overboard with how he looked after Jesus. And we know that he was a person who was standing in judgment of this woman. Well, what about Jesus' encounter with the Pharisee? Well, the first thing we notice is that Jesus was open hearted enough to accept the invitation. Now, Jesus, Son of God, knows everything and all. I I don't know how all that plays out, and I don't know if He flicked that switch all the time. But I reckon you could think of some people who, if they invited you for a meal, you wouldn't be sure how it's going to go. Anyone got people that you could just think of real easy? You'd be going, why are they inviting me? Roast pasta? I, 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 I don't know. But it says that he went to the Pharisees' house and he reclined at the table. Jesus ate with him. He didn't turn down his invitation, although he may have wondered what was going on. The other thing we see there is that uh, that Jesus spoke to Simon with grace, he spoke to him with grace. Jesus answered Simon to Simon's thoughts. Simon, I've something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. So the way Jesus must have said that, like, Simon, I've got something to tell you. Because if he had, I'm sure Simon wouldn't have gone, tell me, teacher. So Jesus must have, in a, in a reclined, graceful way, said, Simon... I've got something to tell you. Yes, teacher. What, what is it that you want to tell me? And he goes on to tell the story of the two moneylenders and one owes a lot and one owes not quite so much and their debts are cancelled and asking, you know, which, which one do you think feels the most forgiven? So not only did he approach it in a way that Simon responded and was able to respond, not feeling threatened, not feeling put down, but in a way that allowed Simon to respond. He also didn't say, This is you, mate. Get your act together. He told a story. Any of us who are parents have sometimes had to go that way tell a story. Some of us, when we're telling stories, say, I've got a friend. I've got this bloke I know. (laughs) But Jesus showed Simon grace. But he also spoke to Simon in truth. Grace, then truth. He's engaged Simon. He's got him in the journey and says that he turned to the woman and said to Simon, The way I see this playing out is that Jesus didn't belt him, but neither did he let him off the hook. Grace and truth. And the only way I can read the the outcome of the text is that he left the way open for Simon. It doesn't end with him letting Simon know he's got no hope. It actually ends in a different way with a focus not on Simon, so the way I see this is that it, Jesus left the way open for Simon the Pharisee to gain the understanding that he needs as to who Jesus really is. And I see every opportunity, every encounter with Jesus is an opportunity for life change. And sometimes people take it. In this case, Simon hasn't, to our knowledge, at that point in time when we lose contact there but every encounter with Jesus is an opportunity for life change so then we go to the sinful woman's encounter with Jesus and I must say um, Grace I was thinking of you all week uh, because I know how soft your heart is and I was thinking about the harshness of the title and the way we refer to the woman and I thought would I give her a name and I thought well if I pick a name that's anyone in this room that's gonna be a bit awkward isn't it and as I, I wrestled with that I thought Do you know what Luke has actually recorded this for a purpose the reality is that this woman is no different to the rest of us. She's a sinner. And if the story was being told about us, we we would wear that just the same. There's no one in this room that hasn't led a sinful life. I think Luke wanted to soften that truth, that all of us are sinners living with or rejecting grace. So what about this sinful woman's encounter with Jesus? Well, we know that the woman had a posture of humility. It says as she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with tears. Now, some of you may be a little confused at this point. I'm looking for a very young, fit, agile life person. Tommy, come up here for a second. Also looking for someone that's dressed pretty cash. Tommy, can you just lay down there for me, please? Just lay down on your side, looking that way, as if you're watching TV on the couch. That's it. So, this is sort of how Jesus would have been reclining, with some cushions, and his feet would have been around here behind him. I should be more gentle, shouldn't I, Tommy? Sorry. Everyone knows how much I love feet. They're big feet, Tommy. Oh, sorry. Um, anyway, so because then there would have been someone here, right? So you weren't putting your feet in their face. So your feet, which were dirty and dusty and pooey and grotty and all that, were around there. And that's why Simon should have given Jesus water. Thanks, Tommy. So that's how this woman can stand behind Jesus weeping on her feet in case any of you are going how does that work maybe you've never asked the question but now you know the answer so the woman had a posture of humility she was behind jesus and she just she's just starting to cry one drop two drops and um i gotta, I gotta t- who's had a really darn good cry lately Anyone? What happens when you cry? Because I want to tell you something. It's real messy when I cry. Everything runs. It's like, it's like it ain't just pretty. Here she is, she's weeping on Jesus. It says, the woman ministers to Jesus out of a broken and repentant heart. It's interesting because this must have already happened. It says a woman in that town who lived a sinful life, one of the other uh, translations says who lived a life of sin in that town. Most theologians and commentators would presume that they were referring to the fact that she had been a prostitute. She'd lived a sinful life and she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house so she She came there with an alabaster jar or she brought, not bought, brought an alabaster jar. So so this life thing that has happened, so we don't know if she's heard Jesus somewhere else. Maybe someone's told her about this man who can forgive sins. We don't know, but she has come because she wants to get close to this one that she's heard something about. And she comes not as someone who's posturing and inviting him round the table, but someone who's just going to stand behind him, weeping. And we know that she showed genuine love because Jesus describes it as that. He says, as her great love has shown. So not, she's, she's not only started weeping and whatever else, and then she's got down and she's knelt, She's got a hair and she's she's wiped Jesus' feet. Anyone here have smelly feet? Anyone brave? Anyone brave enough to say, yeah, I got yeah, yeah, yeah. (coughs) Well, it's not often that we get to walk in dust, mud, animal droppings, rotting vegetables and whatever the streets would have been in Jesus' day. Jesus might have been the Son of God, but his feet were just as ugly and dirty as anyone else's. And this woman has wet them with her tears and then she has wiped them with her hair. I've got to tell you, if I ever do that anytime soon for any one of you, you'll know that I've lost the plot. <laughs> but that wasn't the case with her. Jesus recognised that she was showing great love and the woman's love had actually gone into generosity because she had gone and spent money at some point in time she had brought this perfume it would have been treasured it was in an alabaster jar and she's brought this for this man so she came with the alabaster jar of perfume. The woman's love flowed not only into physical love and attention, but into generosity as well. Her encounter with Jesus was an opportunity for her life to change, as it is for all of us when we encounter Jesus. And how did Jesus encounter the sinful woman? Well, firstly, we see that he received her ministry. I don't know how I'd feel if I had someone weeping and snotting and wiping and I, I would feel really awkward. And probably I would do the wrong thing and stop them. But thankfully Jesus didn't. He received this woman's ministry. This ministry was worth twenty-five thousand sermons this ministry that this woman did was worth it was worth or priceless jesus restores her in the eyes of others particularly men i loved this i love this when jesus turns to the woman that talks to simon He doesn't say, I see that woman over there. He turns and looks at her and starts singing her praises to her face and teaching the men in the room, or Simon, but I'm sure the rest of the men were on the list as well. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? And then he starts praising her and talking about the differences of her love and his love. And down in verse 48, we see that Jesus restores her, not just in the eyes of Simon, not just in the eyes of other people in the room, he restores her to his father. In front of these Pharisees, he restores her to the father and he says, your sins are forgiven. And if that's not enough, he then sets her free. And they can sometimes be two different things. Because when her sins are forgiven, there's still a whole bunch of people in the room who know who she used to be. But Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How beautiful is that? How beautiful would it be if we had the saviour of the world forgiving us of our sins and telling us to go in peace. But it's true today. Every time we encounter Jesus, we have the opportunity for life change. And this woman, we don't know what happened to Simon, but we know with this woman, she went with that life change. So what's our encounter with Jesus today? As you read through this, as you listen through this, how are you encountering Jesus Because I want to say to you, today is an opportunity to encounter Jesus and receive life change. I wonder do we have a Pharisaical or a Pharisee posture? Do we do the right things? Have we do we come and do we worship? Do we do 20 minutes in the chair? But somewhere along the line, the messages get mixed and we become judgmental and we walk around and we ignore people. I'm not too proud to say that I had my pharisaical moment this year. And um, it was a culmination of a number of things. God had been speaking to me about my attitude towards uh, the gay and lesbian community. Now it wasn't as if I wouldn't speak to them and whatever, but He was He was telling me that there was some stuff deeper than that. That you know, I didn't see them the same as I saw everybody else. And uh, one of the ways He challenged me was to uh, to make contact with my uncle, whom I haven't seen for thirty years. Um, he's uh, lived a gay lifestyle for probably 40 years and um, I really felt challenged about making that connection now I'm not the only one the fa- he's cut off from our whole, f- whole family um, and I rang him uh, to speak with him and then I asked if the next time I was in the city where he lives would it be possible for us to catch up And he politely said no. So I think somewhere in there, there was some rejection. Somewhere in there, there was some indignant uh, righteousness. It was in the time when uh, Teen Challenge were getting slammed uh, about their new uh, proposal out in the Meander Valley. And there was a lot of heat coming on them about how they would treat uh, lesbian women. And the Christian community was being slammed by the media because if we said anything at all, we were judgmental and homophobic. And yet, you can call people judgmental and homophobic, but nothing happens. So with all of this going on, somewhere in my brain, righteous indignation went to self-righteous judgmentalism. And there was a tragedy, and I can't even tell you what tragedy it was, but part of those involved in the tragedy were described as a male-male couple. And I heard this in the shower, and my mind went, well, that'll learn you. And I can't say I heard an audible voice, but as I think about it now, I see some little five-foot-nothing Afro-American grandma going, You said what? You said what? I'm not saying that God's a five-foot-nothing Afro-American grandma. (laughs) All the things that I had learnt that I believed in that I would say to others where was that that day where was there where was that that day I guess the reality is we can all have our pharisaical moments and the question is when we encounter Jesus at that moment what do we do? And I've got to tell you, I was brought to tears. And I wasn't proud of it. And I'm still not proud of it. So, our encounter with Jesus today do we have a Pharisaical nature? Do we know all the right things, but really inside there's stuff that's just gone haywire? And we know about that. Or do we have a repentant posture? Are we someone who can actually go, you know what? I understand that I'm a sinner. That woman, she knew and she acknowledged and she understood where she was. But she didn't leave it there. She found her way to the one who can change it all. And maybe today... There are people in this room or watching online where you have sinned and you have done stuff that takes away your relationship with God. But today you can have an encounter with Jesus that changes the rest of your life as it did for that woman. Because Jesus is waiting to say your sins are forgiven. Every encounter with Jesus is an opportunity for changed life. So, how do I know what I said is true? Or how much veracity would I put on it? How strong do I believe in it? So, maybe I would just say, well, no matter who you are in this room or participating online, God loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, we're a church here at Door of Hope that says exactly that. We are a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world. We're a church that's all set up for people who haven't even given a thought about God in a long time. Maybe never. Far from God. Hey, welcome. Or maybe you find yourself as a friend of Door of Hope. Maybe you know someone from here. Or maybe you've come along to something here and you bump into some of us and you might find your way into church or to Alpha or somewhere else, a friend of Door of Hope. Maybe you're exploring. Maybe you become an explorer. What is the Christian faith all about? Maybe today's the day you become a Christian. some in the room and some elsewhere and all the hordes that are away on holidays are growing. Letting God work and grind and bump and shape. And there are other blessings amongst us who are very Jesus-centered and others-focused. And it all comes from our belief that God loves you. And that God has a wonderful plan for your life. John 10, 10b says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. God sent his son not just for life, not just for forgiveness, but go in peace, enjoy life. That's grace. That God loves us and he wants us to be free. But the truth is, every single one of us has sinned. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And a little bit further on in that book to the Romans, it says the penalty of that sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, this grace that God loves us and that he wants us to have real life, but this truth that we are sinners, And we need a savior and grace again as god provides that savior says the penalty of our sin was paid by christ but god demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us romans 5 8 and 10 13 in that same book says if we repent of our sin and confess and trust that jesus christ is our lord and savior we are saved from our sins and it says for whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved every time we encounter jesus is an opportunity for life change